Hi, this is Derwin James, and you listen to the Chargers Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Chris Avery with you on a new episode of Chargers Weekly. Last week, we started our Know Your Rivals series with the Raiders and the Chiefs. Today, it's the Denver Broncos. I'm joined by Denver Post writer Ryan O'Halloran. We're going to get into all things Broncos. They had a busy offseason with free agency in the draft, including the acquisition of Melvin Gordon in free agency. So let's get right to it. Know your rivals, the Denver Broncos. All right, let's bring in Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post as we continue our Know Your Rivals series. Denver Broncos are up, and Ryan, it's been an unconventional, unprecedented offseason What's it been like covering the Broncos these last few months? Well, you got you got to put your thinking cap on, and yo, know, you got to be willing to write about guys who may not make the team because those are the guys who are available. But what you do get to tell us these undrafted rookies, nobody knows their stories, so you take advantage of that. Uh, you know, tell their stories a little bit. Talk to some guys coming off injury. You know, some of the star players available to the group media. So it's about uh, spreading out your information, I guess, is the best way to put it. See if you can get three stories out of one interview. And uh, once the season starts, that'll be a whole different challenge. Yeah, and, and there's been so much that has gone on around the league. But but you look at the Broncos specifically, uh, whether it was free agency or the draft or trades. Let's start with just free agents and offseason acquisitions. Um Melvin Gordon, obviously one of the bigger name free agents. Uh, you bring it over AJ Bouye from the the Jags. Who do you think's the most impactful free agent or veteran offseason acquisition to this Broncos team? Well, I think it's going to be AJ Bouye. And you mentioned the trade free agent strategy. Uh, you know, I think the Broncos thought outside the box a little bit. You know, they they sort of figured Bouye was going to be released by Jacksonville, so instead of getting into a bidding war, give up a fourth round pick. Uh, Jarrell Casey looks like he was going to be cut by Tennessee. Well, I gave up a seventh for a five-time Pro Bowler. You know, it could be a one-year deal, but so what? And then in free agency, um, Graham Glasgow, the right guard from Detroit, was their first signing. You know, and, you know, the Melvin Gordon, I, I treat it as a bonus uh, money-wise because you have Drew Locke on a rookie contract, Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, Dalton Reisner on offense on rookie contracts. So, you know, use that money to splurge a little bit on Gordon, which is what they did. And, you know, Jeff Driscoll backup quarterback. So, you know, they combined with free agency and combined with the draft, I'm sure like the Chargers are thinking right now, what are the additions they can make to challenge Kansas City in this division? And uh, that that drove John Elway's uh, plan this offseason. It did, and we'll get into the rookie class because I think that played a big role in terms of trying to catch up with them offensively and trying to score points. Uh, But back to Gordon and having him in the backfield with with Lindsey, how do you see that shaking out? Because Philip Lindsey obviously uh, went healthy, been productive the last two years, and you know Melvin had a a slow start to 2019, but he missed all the preseason. It took him a while to get into the groove. Once he did – um, he, he's great uh, around the goal line. He can get you those tough yards. How do you see that backfield uh, load kind of shaking out here? Well, it's interesting because it's it's something Pat Shermer, the new offensive coordinator, hasn't had in his play calling career. You know, by choice or by necessity, he's been a one back guy. You know, Dalvin Cook in Minnesota that one year, uh, Saquon Barkley the last two years in New York. 
you know, Melvin Gordon with two years and $16 million, he, he should be the starter. That's what he's being paid to do. You know, he's good on third down, as you as Chargers fans know. Then Philip Lindsay comes in. Is it a 1-1-A? Is it a 1-2? and two? I think it's going to be if Melvin Gordon comes in and shows that he, he is in the form that he was two years ago when the Chargers made the playoffs, he'll get every chance to, to be the, the workhorse, knowing that Philip Lindsay can be a very effective uh, complimentary player and, and Melvin won't have to carry it 300 times. But interesting signing. I, you know, I'd heard early on that they were interested in the veteran running back market. I didn't think Gordon was on their radar because it just, like you're saying, last year, sort of a mulligan year because he held out his first game playing was against the Broncos. You could tell that he hadn't been around, but uh, they're, they're, they feel like their blocking scheme and their offense uh, suits him, suits Gordon very well. We're seeing this around the league, just the, the timeshare in the backfield. Very rarely are you seeing this, this bell cow running back. I think a lot of teams are going to the approach of, you know, keep players fresh, keep Philip Lindsay fresh, keep Melvin fresh, uh, is that what you're sensing with this offense, especially with some of the, the acquisitions on the outside? Um, there's a lot of different directions I think you have to account for if you're defending the Broncos in 2020. Yeah, and ideally I think you want both Gordon and Lindsay to have an excess of 100 carries apiece. Uh, you can, that would be a, a sign that they are managing each other's other work and you know one thing one thing you've heard in the last couple weeks people and it's just speculation at this point okay there are ways to get gordon and Lindsay on the field at the same time personally i don't see that because you have other weapons you're are you going to put two running backs on the field and take jerry judy off the field probably not or kj hamler so i think they they, they should feel good about their skill position weapons that they don't need to force a two running back on the field at the same time deal melvin out there when he's not out there phillips Philip is out there. So uh, I do think they have the potential for a pretty good run game. There, there was a play, I want to say when the Chargers played the Broncos last year, where Gordon and Eckler were on the field at the same time. And I think it, it threw the Broncos off. I think maybe it was, was it Eckler that scored? Or maybe it was Melvin. I don't know. I, 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 it escapes me at the time. But um, when you saw Gordon and Eckler in the backfield, it, it did present some some confusion but I, I get your point when you have Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Cortland Sutton and, and Noah Fant it's difficult to get all those weapons on the field at the same time yeah and I, th- I think Eckler is probably a better receiving running back than either of those two uh, so you sort of use him like like Chicago does with uh, Tark Cohn he yeah. wears number 29, but he's basically a receiver. I think Eckler was that kind of player and remains that kind of player. You know, last year the Broncos did Phil Lindsay at tailback and Royce Freeman sort of as a pseudo-blocking fullback. That that doesn't work with these two guys. Uh, but, you know, it's – and I think for Pat Shermer, not having OTAs and not having a mandatory minicamp may impact that because during the spring you literally run the entire kitchen sink. And, and you see what works, see how guys move in space and, you know, see if Melvin Gordon or Phil Lindsay, if you line them out wide, how comfortable are they running routes? You know, there, there may not be that kind of experimentation early on. Drew Locke closed the Broncos season 4-1 as a starter. I think he had over 1,000 yards passing, seven touchdowns, three picks. Uh, getting a lot of buzz this offseason. Uh, what have you seen from Drew from the moment he stepped on on campus as a rookie to now and do you think that buzz right now is warranted uh for a guy that is going to have a lot of weapons uh at his disposal in this offense yeah you know the main question about drew lock i get this offseason is is he the uh, franchise quarterback 
And I said, well, he's going to get a chance to do it. He's yep. the franchise quarterback for 2020. And I think it was a smart decision by John Elway and company that, you know, they've been through since Peyton Manning retired, that Trevor Simeon, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, and now Drew Locke. And, you know, try and establish some continuity. You drafted him in the second round. He went four and one. His only loss was in the snow at Kansas City against a, you know, a far better team. So, you know, once, the, once, they, once they said to themselves, okay, Drew Locke is their guy going forward this year, what's the best way to get him to, to have success? And that's, you know, signing a lot of veterans – or, excuse me, you know, drafting some guys and signing some veterans to, you know, give this offense a little bit of a boost. Because, you know, a day after the season, John Elway was in the press conference room and, and, and pointed out Broncos scored one touchdown against Kansas City this year, mm. or 2019. To me, that's that that set that statement sort of set the foundation for how they were going to approach the next two months. And and, that, and as it turned out, get speed and you, you complement your defense a little bit. Did it surprise you to see Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler be the, be the first two draft picks off the board? Obviously, when you have when you see Jerry Judy, and we saw, I think everyone's seen that uh, video of him practicing and his footwork and. He looks like a, a ten-year vet. That video already. was on fast forward, right? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a ten-year vet already. Uh, but did it surprise you to see those guys off the board? And it goes to your point, And I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep up. It's almost like trying to. I've used this analogy before. I was trying to keep up with the Golden State Warriors when you got Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. You get some horses of your own in Judy, and you saw what Sutton did last year. Noah Fant, uh, Hamler, uh, a speedster, had some drops at Penn State, but can certainly stretch the field. Uh, and then you have those two running backs that we mentioned. Um, they're they're trying to put something together to combat Kansas City. Yeah, and and what what the Broncos need to do and add these players is they need they need a couple guys that defense have have to be concerned about. Last year it was just Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant a little bit, but you know now you have to sort of spread the wealth and you know let's say you know Judy and, and Sutton lined up outside and they play cover two. Okay, that should leave the middle of the field open for Noah Fant and KJ Hamler. Uh, so, you'll be able to stress defenses a little bit. And I'll give you one example before I get into the draft: is you know they played at Minnesota. Brandon Allen was a quarter, Brandon Allen was a quarterback, so they needed to score a touchdown in the last couple of seconds. They had three shots from inside the five. Cortland Sutton was double teamed all three plays. He had Brandon Allen had to go other places. It was incomplete. They lost at the buzzer. So, you know that that was a sign. Hey, they need to give Cortland some help. As for the draft, you know, that day when the draft started, if you had to give it John Elway, hey, what do you think is going to happen? He probably thought he was going to have to trade up to get Judy. But Oakland or Las Vegas takes uh, uh, rugs. Yeah. So that freed up. Uh, you figure, okay, if the Jets take an offensive tackle instead of receiver, that'll help. So, you know, as soon as Las Vegas went the direction they did, they sat at 15. They got the guy they wanted, or else I think they would have tried. They would have traded down because of the receiver depth. The Handler pick was surprising because, you know, you're sort of getting greedy, uh, but they felt like his speed was something that would have been attractive. And, you know, they sort of played their hand a little bit. He was on their radar had they traded down and not gotten Judy. So they decided just to double up a receiver. Yeah. You know, I would have maybe waited another round because, you know, you sort of got issues at corner, inside linebacker. They didn't draft the left tackle, potential replacement for Garrett Bowles, but they felt like they're just going to stock up on skill guys and, and when the ball rolls out there, see if they can outscore some teams. Yeah, it's probably the most 
or probably the deepest wide receiver class that we've ever seen. I think 30 some odd wide receivers go off yeah. the board in 2020, but they double up first round, second round. Um, defensively, you talk about Bouye, Chris Harris Jr. comes over to the Chargers. What do you think the Broncos are going to miss in not having Chris Harris uh, on that secondary, on that defense, and coming over to, to a rival? Personally, I'm going to miss Chris a lot. Um, great guy. And on the field, the Broncos are going to miss him too because what he brings to the Chargers is versatility. In a base defense, he can line up against the best receivers in pro football on the outside. In sub-package, he can move inside and cover those quick twitch guys, be physical, run with them all the way across the field or down the field. So that's the thing. Be interested to see how, how Gus Bradley uses them. Still, uh, he's probably a better slot corner than he is an outside corner at this stage of his career, but that means he's still pretty good. Broncos trying to replace him. They got to hope Bryce Callahan's healthy. He missed all last season with a foot injury. If he's healthy, he's definitely your nickel guy inside. Uh, and you can play Boye outside and Ojumude, the rookie from Iowa, as the third corner and play him outside. So, you know, the Broncos lost, you know, let Derek Wolf walk. Okay, fine. They got Casey. They let Chris Harris walk. Okay, they traded for Boye. Well, that helps you on first and second down. You know, third down is going to be a question mark with Bryce Callahan and the Broncos until he shows he can get on the field and stay on the field. Right. What I'm interested in seeing is Chris Harris in the secondary around some of these talented players that the Chargers have in a Derwin James, a Casey Hayward, a Desmond King, um, a Nazir Adderley, who was hurt last year, second round pick uh, the year before. And then having those bookends up front with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Uh, I, I think Chris Harris having that talent around him may lead to some opportunities for him to make some plays. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's probably what got a little frustrated last year is he had one interception. That's that's not Chris Harris's yeah. standard. He's set for himself. And, you know, this was a zone team with the Broncos. And, you know, it's a lot of times he had to cover the best guy and, and, and teams just went elsewhere. So, you know, with, with the Chargers secondary, it is very intriguing well, 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 Gus set up some things to, to let Chris get his hands on the football, maybe some more man coverage in that respect, and, or have him sit back and have him jump a couple, jump some routes so with no one to ask some safety help. So, you know, Derwin James gives coordinators all kinds of options, and so it'll be interesting to see how they use that with Chris Harris. A couple more for you, Ryan. Uh, Vic Fangio entering year two as the head coach. Uh, we talked about Drew Locke's success towards the end of the year. The, the Broncos seem to hit their stride a little bit and you make all these additions in the offseason. What do you make of what Vic has done uh, entering his second year as a head coach? Well, uh, he's, I think they've acquired guys on defense that fits what he wants to do, and that would be Boye. At this stage, he's probably a zone corner best. Uh, Drell Casey, this team did not get a lot of an interior pass rush last year, so he'll be counted on to do that. And, and then you get Bradley Chubb back towards ACL in the fourth game last year, so you know, the people are going to make Vic a better defensive play caller. The key is, okay, don't start 0-4. Don't lose any kind of momentum yeah. you have before you can even get out of the starting gate. So, you know, if it was a regular training camp this year with regular preseason games, it would be interesting to see how Vic managed his veterans. Last year, he didn't play them at all in the first, fourth, and fifth preseason games. Did that have a factor in them being slow out of the gate? Maybe so. Um, but – you know, this is still a very young team, particularly on offense, who is looking to Vic Fangio for leadership. So I think that's going to be his his main thing besides calling plays on defense is 
Drew Locke's going to have a slump. They all do. How is the head coach? How does he help him get through that rough, rough stretch and still show confidence in him? And Ryan, all 32 teams are going to have this issue, but the fact that you don't have an off-season program. How are teams, how are coaches going to manage training camp? How are they going to manage the preseason? Are you going to give your vets more reps in the preseason just to, to make up for lost time? Are you going to try to keep them fresh? Um, it's, it's a very difficult balance that, that all teams are going to have to face, and I don't know what the right answer is, frankly. Yeah, and you know, let's play the hypothetical game. Let's say every team reports to camp on time, but they have two preseason games. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of teams are going to say, we just need to get our veterans to the starting gate week one. If that means heavy on the walkthroughs and you're not playing at all in the preseason, that, that seems reasonable to me. You know, the key thing is, you know, you don't want to make a big deal out of special teams because it sounds like it's inside football. But the back, the back half of that roster on game day, they don't know who they are. I mean, there's, these are guys who, like Pat Shermer said, I just met Corbin Sutton two weeks ago. You know, he's been on the job since January. But that <laughs> shows crazy. you. So, and, and I think for the for your for your last nine, ten guys on the roster, it's going to be. I think that's going to be the focus: figuring out who your best fifty-three are, who your core special teams are, who your fourth and fifth receivers are, your fourth and fifth inside linebackers, that kind of thing. You know, if you go into camp knowing who your top twenty-two are use that time to get them in shape, keep them in shape, but also use those two preseason games to find out who the uh, last guys on your roster are. I use Austin Eckler as an example. I think Coach Lynn and Austin himself over the offseason said, I don't know if I would have made the team if I didn't have OTAs, if I didn't have the the offseason program and and a full complement of training camp. I mean, Austin made the team in the fourth preseason game. So there's going to be a lot of those stories where maybe some missed opportunities for guys, no fault of their own. They're just not getting enough reps, not enough love from the coaching staff because the coaches, they got to figure out the best 53 very quickly and undrafted free agents. They may get the short end of the stick this year. Yeah. And those guys probably fell through the cracks because you didn't have a, you didn't have a, a local rookie pro day before the draft. You didn't have a rookie camp where you, have like 20 guys under contract, but also another 25 guys as tryouts and you invariably sign a couple of those. So what I think you're going to do, you're going to see is a lot of roster turnover in the first month of the regular season because they'll figure out, okay, this guy is not in shape. This guy can't learn the playbook. We got to try and churn out the back half of this roster and, and, and find some new guys. So, but I think Eckler is a good example. And Philip Lindsay made this team as an undrafted free agent. Who That's another example played the first three preseason games, showed his medal, didn't even play in the fourth game, which showed he made the team. So, you know, I think the challenge for coaching staffs are going to be, okay, let's say you have two players for one spot. One guy's been in your system for three years. The other guy's an undrafted rookie with some potential. Do you go with the guy with potential who you're intrigued by, or do you go with the known player for at least the first month or so of the season? season I think that's another subplot that makes it tough to really project uh, what these rosters are going to look like yeah it's going to be fascinating next month all right Ryan last thing for you this AFC West um, it's very difficult to project I think at this point we, we know Kansas City's Kansas City and I think they're the prohibitive favorites going into 2020 but uh, the Raiders upgraded uh, I believe the Chargers Upgraded in a lot of different positions. Obviously, the quarterback looking like Tyrod Taylor may be the starter out of the gate. 
how do you assess this division? And obviously we've talked about the Broncos the last 20 minutes or so, uh, how much better they've gotten on paper. Um, it, it's a difficult division to, I think, assess at this point. Yeah, and I, I wrote about this uh, earlier this spring. Uh, like it's in the last five or six years, Kansas City is something like 27-3 and three against the division. So not they've only have they won the division, they've, they've handed the lunch to these guys. Kansas City and free agency did nothing. They said, we're going to go with our guys that won us a title. Las, Las Vegas went for volume. They signed everybody. Um, how all those pieces fit, we don't know. I think the Chargers and the Broncos were a little bit similar in terms of their free agent and trading strategy. They, you know, the, the Chargers traded for uh, Trey Turner. Broncos made their trades, and then they were very selective. Yes, they spent money, but, hey, these are the specific needs. Let's make sure you fit all those going into the draft. So if I had to rank the teams right now, I'd put the Chiefs first. I do put the Broncos second by a nose over the Chargers, then I put Las Vegas fourth. You know, my Tyrod Taylor story, I covered his first game as a high school freshman. At Hampton, Tech? At uh, Hampton High School. Oh, 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 at high school. I'm sorry. I, miss, I, miss I, was covering, I was covering high schools in Newport News, Virginia. He was a ninth grader. Uh, the starting quarterback broke his ankle in fall practice. So Tyrod had to start that first game that day. So I, I told him that at the Super Bowl, Baltimore, San Francisco, a couple years ago, but he didn't remember. But anyways, I digress. Is Tyrod, the thing about him is he, he'll, know, he'll know how to win you a game or two. And more importantly, he's not going to he's not going to be the guy that throws four picks and loses yeah. the game. He's going to be I, a game manager is a positive term because that means you have had success. Um, so that's that's where the Chargers. At. I, I you know I think Eckler is going to be great as the as the main guy. Um, and then so like the Broncos thing, if they can get off to a little bit of fast start and they got a very tough schedule early on they can create some confidence or momentum. I think that's going to be the key for the Chargers, Raiders, and, and Broncos is which one of these three teams can get, get to November at over 500 and maybe not challenge for the division, but maybe claim one of those uh, wildcard spots. Last year, the Chargers second to last in, in turnovers and then last in, in taking it away. Those are two things that need to change if they're going to have success in 2020. And you mentioned Tyrod. He, he doesn't turn the football over, um, and I don't think he's had a, a better set of weapons in his career when you look at Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, you know, Eckler, Jackson, and Joshua Kelly in, in the backfield, and then kind of, kind of revamping that offensive line, specifically on the right side with Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga. So uh, you couple that with the fact that he knows Coach Lynn's offense from Buffalo. He was a pro bowler in 2015 when he was the assistant head coach. Coach Lynn said he, he knows that – Tyrod knows what to do, and he feels comfortable with that. And, and for Taylor, the thing is, he's, just because he has a first-round pick behind him, is, is not mean, it doesn't mean he's going to force things. He's still going to play his game. And I'm sure the message from Anthony Lynn to Tyrod Taylor is, is, hey, the job is yours until you show that it shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And that means getting off to a good start, winning some games, because the Broncos and the Chargers both dug themselves such holes last year that they just couldn't climb out of it. And it, you can't start one and four, two and five in this league when, when the Chiefs are rolling up, you know, even though they started slow, you knew they were going to heat up. Well, the Broncos come to SoFi Stadium in December, Ryan. I hope I see you there. I hope I see you in Denver before that. I predict it. We will. Good. Good. I'm going to go with that prediction too. We got to be positive uh, during these times, man. It's been a, uh, 
it feels like it's been forever since football and I'm excited to actually see these guys on the field and excited to see you at a press box very soon man I appreciate your time all right take care Chris thanks now all right that's gonna do it for us so big thanks to Ryan and thanks to you guys for listening be sure to subscribe to the Chargers podcast network wherever you listen to podcasts hope you have a great weekend and until next time I'm Chris Hayreed